0: All right, back here on 760 WJR. You may have seen a piece in the uh, free press today that talked about a couple of lawsuits which may may have some implications on the no-fault law, which, of course, has been embattled ever since it came into being in the wee hours before a holiday and has had such a deleterious effect on particularly people who suffered catastrophic car accidents before this law went into place and had the benefit of the old Michigan no-fault law, which gave you unrestricted access to the things that you needed in your life for however long you needed them, now many of those services have been downgraded or disappearing because a lot of the places that used to offer them are no longer around. The hours that your family members can get paid to take care of you, has been stripped down. The percentage that companies that help you can charge has been stripped down by 45 percent. And so consequently, the whole thing has shriveled. But a couple of lawsuits have challenged this, at least at the Michigan Court of Appeals level, probably going to go to our Supreme Court no matter what the outcome is, we wanted to check in on this because it has implications for a lot of us here. George Sinus with the Sinus Dramus Law Firm is a lawyer for one of the cases, Ellen Andere, and he joins us now. George, tell us Ellen's story quickly and why you feel it could be the basis of a lawsuit against this
1: law. Well, uh, Mitch, thanks for uh, having me on your show. It's a pleasure. The central point in the Andere litigation, and it's very important that people understand that it's really a simple issue, and that issue is that many, many years ago, people like Ellen Anderry purchased auto no-fault insurance policies that would not permit the enforcement of the benefit cuts that are in this new law. In other words, they purchased a contractual right to the payment of benefits without regard to fee schedules, and without regard to identity tests concerning um, who's providing in-home attendant care, and now, the, and
0: and the, and the kind of benefits that you tell us about Ellen quickly, and the kind of benefits that she needs.
1: She needs twenty-four-seven attendant care because of a catastrophic brain injury she suffered when a drunk driver crossed the center line and hit the car she was in, and she cannot live without this 24-7 care. She is completely unable to attend to her own activities of daily living. So under the old
0: system, she got this, correct?
1: Under the old system, she got it without regard to who was rendering the care. And under the old system, Mitch, as you mentioned, the benefit was not limited to a fee schedule, which under the the new law, she can only get 55% of what providers that are rendering care to her would have received back in 2019. Now, did she have
0: uh, her own uh, family members taking care of her?
1: uh, Many of her uh, caregivers today are her family uh, uh, members. And under the old system,
0: they could get paid uh, an hourly rate for that, So that if they couldn't, obviously they can't work, if they have to be there 24-7 to take care of her, they can't have their jobs, they can't work. It's a hugely difficult, anyone who's ever taken care of someone who suffered a catastrophic brain injury, you you know the details of that, the difficulties of of dressing and and feeding, washing, uh, taking care of bathroom habits, things like that. These are not easy things to do. And at least they were able to be basically, you know, reimbursed for the careers that they otherwise would have given up. Now, under the new law, there's a there's a limit on the hours that family members could do that. I think it's 56 hours a week. Which, you, if you add that up for someone who needs 24 hour care, that's about two and a half, two and a quarter days, and then you're out and you're, you're stuck for the rest of the, the other four and a half days. So, if I understand this correctly, the insurance companies are saying. We have the right to change the rules, and the policy that you bought before doesn't keep you from being subject to a change in the laws or a change in the policy if a law allows a policy to be changed. That's their argument, correct?
1: That's basically their argument, and the thing that that argument ignores is the fact that people like Ellen Derry, when they bought their policies, they paid a premium that was in part based upon— the risk that the insurer would have to pay for 24-7 attendant care rendered by family members and others, and that the insurer would have to pay medical expenses without regard to this 45% governmental fee cap. That's the policy the insurers sold Ellen and and they collected a premium for that. Now they say, well, too bad. You bought a policy that provided for these benefits But the law changed. So guess what? We get to keep your premium that you paid that you paid good money for to buy these benefits. And we don't have to give you the benefits that you bought. And and so, Mitch, I want to make this one point. There are so many issues, legal issues in in, Andary, in the Andary case that are very nuanced and sophisticated. But it really boils down to this one very simple question. Are we going to allow the government to come in and rewrite a private insurance policy that a consumer paid good money for and reduce the benefits under that policy? Are we going to let that happen? Yeah. It's real simple. Well,
0: we did let it happen. Yeah. Uh, we did let it happen. And unfortunately, you've already lost this case at one level, and now you're at the appeals level. And, uh, you know, I I, I am hopeful that you won't lose it there, although I imagine it'll go to the Supreme Court either way. I read the piece in the Free Press about this, and I thought the most telling comment came towards the end, where they were talking about uh, your client's attendant care, which the rate is $28 an hour. Uh, And if you, of course, go for as many hours as she needs— the, the cost for that would be $367,000 a year, according to legal briefs that were filed. And there was a comment made by uh, a lawyer, I think, or someone who's defending, I guess, yeah, the, the legal brief. And it asks, is $367,000 a year a reasonable charge for Ms. Anderay's home attendant care? Is there no less expensive way to provide the care she needs?
1: That is not the issue.
0: No, no. And I know it's not the issue. Well,
1: but I find, it,
0: I find it fascinating that someone who is defending the insurance industry would say, is $367,000 a year to keep a person alive, essentially, really reasonable? When I looked up some of the salaries for the CEOs in the insurance business, and there are people making— $21 million a year, $19 million a year, $26.1 million a year in their salaries. Maybe someone would ask, is it really necessary to pay somebody that much money to run a company? But $367,000 is too much money to keep someone alive. And that is what is at the core of this. It's not the core of your case. It's the core of the the resistance to your case is that we don 't want to pay that much money for these people whose whose lives are basically you know uh, uh, over as far as normal life can be because it 's too much it 's too much. Let them go stay in a medicare facility let them stay in, 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 a, in, a, in a in an old age home essentially, which is where many people are now being relegated who used to go to really top notch facilities, rehabilitation facilities that were designed just for them because we had that law here that allowed places like that to operate. And now you see many of your clients and someone like Ellen c- couldn't go to a place like that anymore because they're closing. They're closing up. They're going out of business. And your alternative, if you can't be taken care of at home, is basically to go to a, a, a Medicare approved place, which is in many cases, to, to be sort of blunt, the, the old age home correct?
1: Yes, Mitch, that is correct. And, and all of those uh, points are very important because they really raise significant societal value issues. But let me just tell you what the answer is. Yes, $360,000 a year or whatever is a lot of money. But that's what the insurance company charged her to provide. She paid a premium. For that coverage, they factored that exposure into the premium they charged her, and she paid the premium. Right Now they're complaining, well, it's a lot of money, and this new law says we don't have to pay this much money. And Mrs. Andery, too bad you paid for it. We don't have to give it to you anymore. And that's the central point here in this whole case. It can be reduced to that sentence. They charged her. To provide this level of coverage, she paid for that coverage. How can we take that away from her?
0: Well, we did. We did. Not we, the people. We are lawmakers. And uh, people like Shirky, who won't allow things to get to the floor to, to try to undo this, should be ashamed of themselves. If you can't be kind to people who, who, who literally need 24-hour care, then you have no soul. You, the, the mark of a society is how it takes care of the people who are who are most challenged within it. That's
1: exactly and, and,
0: right. and this is who we are. And this is who our lawmakers and and, and and even some of the lawmakers I can't blame, because after they passed this thing. In the middle of the night, then they read it. And they said, oh, my, wait a minute. That's not what I thought it said. And they've come out and said it. I mean, dozens of them have come out and said, that wasn't my intent. If I had known it was going to be this, I wouldn't have voted for it. And it's all the insurance industry and their backers and people like Shirk. Are like, too bad. It's in the books. We're not hearing anything. We're not even going to entertain anything on the floor. Uh, move on. Move on. Nothing to see here. And meanwhile, your client in her wheelchair and being, you know, tended to and try just people her family trying to keep her alive, a victim, by the way, of drunk driving. Not something she's where she is, not from her own doing, but because of somebody else's irresponsibility. And somehow we don't have the kindness to take care of her. We got to make sure we take care of the twenty one point six million dollar annual CEOs for the insurance company. But, oh, heaven forbid you pay three hundred thousand dollars to take care of somebody, keep them alive. the,
1: The important thing is the battle is now being waged on a different battlefield. Shirky and Wentworth and all those other people who absolutely turned a, a blind eye and a deaf ear to all of this human suffering, they're out of the equation right now. We are in the judicial system, and hopefully our judicial system will realize you can't rip people off like this. You can't have insurance companies who, by the way, under the no-fault statute, they, people are compelled to buy these contracts. You can't allow insurance companies to sell these contracts and, and, and base the premiums on benefits that they now do not have to pay these people.
0: Yeah, well, we'll this, see if the, if the courts agree with you. Um, I hope they do, but uh, I, it's the law, so uh, who knows? The legal system is weird, and they got a lot of money for lawyers on the other side. I appreciate you coming on with us, George, and thank you for taking time to explain this to us.
1: You bet, Mitch. Thank you.
0: George Sinus there from the Sinus Dramus Law from representing Ellen Anderay.